welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Flavia Munn, editor of Nursing Standard, and I'm here with my colleague, senior nurse editor, Richard Hatchett. Hi, Richard. Hi, Flavia. Hi, everyone. Good to be back again. Good to have you. So the topic of today's episode is Good Samaritan Nurses. So that is nurses who respond to emergencies while off duty. And Richard has been speaking to Carolyn Crouchman, a senior lecturer at Buckinghamshire New University, about her research into this area. So Richard, we've covered this topic a lot over the years. In fact, I remember something we did just last Christmas on this very topic. And we've got lots of really great stories of nurses who respond to emergencies. For example, we had the uh, Patient's Choice winner at the RCNI Nurse Awards just this year, who was a nurse who saved a fellow plane passenger's life while still a student, which was very impressive. So we've got a lot of sort of evidence and examples of, of these great feats, but there are also some key issues issues aren't there to draw from this topic can you shed a little bit of light on that yeah sure I think that amazing award winner I think she had just qualified but hadn't even had her first term job so that was that was an amazing piece my goodness I wouldn't want her to have been in her shoes absolutely brilliant um I've been around a long time Flavia and this comes up time and time again people will know from conferences and so forth is often a legal section or what are my responsibilities if I am outside of work and I come across a situation do I walk by do I get involved am I going to be out of my depth what are the consequences going to be and these days of course with people filming on cameras and social media so it's one that will will not go away I think because it's one that is part of our very existence as nurses so what we're looking at today is all of those issues what actually is being a good Samaritan and what actually does it involve for us as nurses. Brilliant. Let's take a listen then to the interview. Have you ever been involved in an out-of-hospital incident requiring first aid or your nursing skills? Did you hesitate or worry? Were you concerned it could all go wrong or you'd be held accountable or maybe you didn't worry at all? I'm joined today by Dr Carolyn Crouchman, who's a senior lecturer at Bucks New University and has looked at this issue as part of her PhD research. So welcome, Lynn. I was um, rather surprised there's little research in this area, but we seem to talk about it a lot. Yeah, it's something that's come up across my career in, in, when, in all sorts of roles that I've been in. Um, and I think it was always something, it was a bit like a niche that needed scratching. Um, and in particular, when I worked as a resuscitation training officer, um, I, it was a question I got asked lots of times by lots of different professionals, not just nurses um, and, and midwives and so on. Um, so it was something that was there in the background um, all the time and I knew there was a lot of discussion around it but I hadn't really looked into it much further than that but it was something that did seem to bother an awful lot of people. So I wonder Lynn can you tell us a little bit about your research and maybe what you found? Um, yeah well the aim of the research because there was so little um, around the around the area I wanted to approach it with a, with a, 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 a discovery approach so I chose constructivist grounded theories that I could construct and build something. Um, the key findings were that there was, uh, it was thematic findings um, and the core enduring theme was around the right thing to do or doing the right thing. I used in vivo um, theme titles as much as, as possible so that I wanted to get the actual words of the participants. So the right thing to do was what came through and this was underpinned by three core key themes which were something I've heard am I covered and just who I am? And these had a number of sub themes um, that fed into those. So looking at the people that you 
you interviewed these people. I know they were in-depth in interviews. Um, there were 16 people, uh, nurses and midwives. There were nurses and midwives. I, I did some pilot interviewing just to, to, to refine it a little bit, because one of the things that's interesting from the pilot interviewing, and I, I mentioned this because the people seem to, the participants at the end of the interview would say, did I pass? Did I do okay? And I wasn't actually looking to test their knowledge or to test them in any way, but I really had to make a big effort to interview them so as to say, I'm looking to find out what you what you think about the area. Um, there were 16 of them, um, and there was, I think there were three midwives, um, and I used a participant referral process. So each person I spoke to, I said, who do you think I could, should talk to next in terms of professional background? So people would recommend in terms of, uh, you know, so I think you should talk to a midwife or a nurse with a military background or a community nurse or, or that sort of thing. So that's how I approach the, the participants uh, in the selection of them. So I presume this is the whole issue about generalising it because it's almost a, a snowball sampling, is it? A sort of, it yeah. is, yes, absolutely. It is snowball sampling. Um, and I don't think, yeah. you know, it's, it's not claiming generalisability, um, yeah. but it was more of a, um, a big snapshot of what, what was... Um, what was potentially going on in the area. So digging apart these themes, so your overriding theme was doing the right thing. I suppose it's an odd question, but how close does that come to the next theme? In other words, that's overriding. Does that mean that other areas, it's a difficult one to measure, isn't it? How, yeah. how important were the other themes or were they much, much less important or just as important? In other words, is it a rather balanced dynamic Experience. I'd say it, it was a balanced dynamic because I didn't really arrive at the right thing to do. That 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 was something that was there from the beginning, but it was only when I went to, um, you know, it was it was it was concurrent. It was concurrent analysis with mm. with um, data collection. It wasn't until I looked back at it and I saw I could see that the right thing to do, this sense of moral agency, was coming through across all of the themes. So the themes in terms of something I've heard was about urban myth and legend and stories that people heard often as warnings. Um, am I covered was, was this enduring thing around, loads of people talked about, am I covered? You know, where do I sit in law? Am I safe professionally? Um, and the just who I am was, was perhaps more of a positive one in terms of, well, my professional persona is I, I couldn't walk by, I'd have to do something in some shape or form. Um, and they talked a lot about their professional identity in that theme. Um, but feeding into those were sub-themes in terms of concerns about media influences, public expectation, um, personal and professional safety, and, and a few other sub-themes. Um, so they, they were all equally as important, I suppose, and they, there was an awful lot, what was really difficult, there was an awful lot of overlapping, and you know there were no clear boundaries between these themes. They, they very much sort of bled into each other. Um, but what was pervading across the whole, all of them, was this sense of doing the right thing as, as they saw it. Just a couple of points. I've wondered whether um, social media and people filming things had any influence at all, because we tend to see everybody filming everything on phones. And that always is something that worries me, that everything we do now is um, captured. So your recall of it is can never be modified in any way. I didn't know whether... Um, there was there were any concerns about that type of thing. There absolutely you're, you're spot on there. There absolutely were concerns, and that that came into one of the, the sub themes in terms of public expectation and media um, media influences. Yeah. 
Um, and certainly participants, a number of participants talked about um, being filmed, um, um, people commenting on what they were doing, watching them, um, taking photographs. Some of it they felt was very, you know, they felt very uncomfortable with it. They felt not only was it perhaps disrespectful to the, to the, to the victim, but also that what, what was going to happen to that afterwards was it going to be uploaded to Facebook and, and commented on? And it was something that was quite a, a significant source of anxiety for participants. Um, having said that, it was also identified that there were positives in it, in it, it. You know, there were cases in law where it had provided evidence that, um, you know, for court proceedings and so on, for separate things. But it was certainly a source of anxiety that this sense of the public scrutiny and public judging you, together with um, issues around how you know the media needing to get the story, or, or not just social media, but media in general, um, liking to have a, a sensationalist story. So it was definitely a source of anxiety, most definitely. It's quite interesting, isn't it, Lynn? Because we don't get that. I imagine I'm again generalising. We don't. We get on with our job and do it um, confidently and competently within our work environment but we could be doing exactly the same in the street yeah. we have an anxiety but it's just a different environment but the skills essentially should be the same yet there is that anxiety isn't it when the walls yeah. fall away. yeah I think what really magnified it for people was this um you know there was issues around you know your you know there was one participant who was a, a senior nurse in an intensive care but she said there I've got my colleagues I've got the equipment I know I know the patient's history in detail Whereas in the street, there are so, so many don't knows um, and you haven't got the sort of backup that you would have in, in the workplace. And I think it certainly magnified the anxiety around feeling covered in law um, and some of the, you know, the, there were many stories that people had heard um, as urban myth and legend. And I followed them up. You know, there was, there was one extreme one where it seems to have fallen, and I know many of the professions do have these, these urban legends as part of their, their professional culture, um, where someone had said it, they had approached an incident where a lorry had turned over and some substance had leaked out, and they said the nurse, her legs um, dissolved in the substance because it was corrosive. When I tried to find any real evidence of this, I couldn't find anything. The only thing I could find was a film called Volcano where a firefighter dissolved. So there is some really sensationalist stuff that seems to have fallen into these legends. Linking into that, Lynn, I wondered how well informed um, your participants were in terms of the legal side of it and um, the consequences, whether they were um, understanding of, of the reality, the truth of, of the situation, or whether it was, was all built on, on urban myth. Um, I think it varied. And I don't think it was necessarily around seniority or or experience. Um, there was, I think they were, as a, as a, generally speaking, they were reasonably well informed. However, there was a lot, there was conflicting information that they voiced in terms of where they sat in law. And I think that served to, um, to, to chip away at their confidence and their, their increase their anxiety around it. So I think there was some confusion. There was certainly confusion around the concept of duty of care. Um, and there was certainly confusion around um, where they sat if they, if they didn't do anything or if they um, did very little. 
there was a sense for, for many of them there was a sense that the expect the public expectation was quite high and that they would be very um they would be very uh scrutinized with with great sort of um you know being judged adversely I suppose it would be wrong, Lynn, not to address the issue of what actually is the situation um, in the UK, maybe around the world, you know, um, when you actually uh, see an event and you want to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the UK, um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a nurse, student or registered or otherwise, and as a, as a healthcare professional, you are not penalised in law for doing nothing. Having said that, professional body, the NMC um, and any other professional bodies do expect that you do not bring the profession into disrepute in as much as do, do stop, even if it's just to call for help, to call at 999, to remain with the patient and reassure them um, or whatever. Um, and obviously you only do what you can within the scope of your, your competence. And that is that that is the key thing is is to is to do what you can within the scope of your competence and what you are safe to do. And if you can stick to that, it's as simple as that. Yes, absolutely. I was going to say that that is the kind of regulatory stance, you know, in a hospital, in the community, wherever you're working, you you know, everybody works yeah. within the limits of their competence. Um, absolutely. The and it varies, I presume, internationally. It does, it does, and we probably haven't got long enough there. But there are certain, you certainly, in in this in the United States, there's differences between states. Um, in Europe um, or in parts of Europe, there is um, they abide by the Napoleonic laws, <laughs> which um, are around duty to rescue, which means that you do have the public, not even just healthcare professionals, but do have a duty to do something. And not to ignore it and that might generally will, will just be around something like um, calling for help so there are variations um, and the, the general principle of helping where you can within the scope of your competence is would apply i would say generally worldwide but there are a number of subtle differences in different countries around the world so just finally lynn where do we go from here because we were saying right at the beginning it is um, a topic um, certainly in terms of um, legal responsibility you often have some legal person when I've chaired events popping up usually after lunch and talking yeah. about this and everybody ewing and ahhing um, so it's obviously a theme that runs through um, where, do, where do we go from, from here what is the um, I suppose the key, it's not the key message of the research it's literally where do we go from here what do you want the professional and everybody else to do to make people feel more comfortable in this area I think there has been work done to, towards this in the, over the course of my research with the NMC and um, with, with nurse education for undergraduate programmes, bringing, um, making it mandatory to have first aid and incident management as, as part of the curriculum. Having said that, I just think there is something around professional confidence and communication that the professional bodies, the RCN, NMC and so on, really need to... Um, to, 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 to really just to talk about a lot more because I think it's something that when it does get talked about there tends to be a lot of sharp intakes of breath and staff tend to feel quite anxious about it so this idea of doing the right thing in a climate of anxiety I think there's something about addressing that climate of anxiety and about what it is that's making us anxious. 
That's brilliant. Dr. Lynn Crouchman, thank you so much. It's a subject we can talk about all day, isn't it? Before we recorded, we're going to carry on talking about this, I think. But thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Well, thank you very much to Carolyn. And also thank you, Richard, as always, for the interview. I hope that clarifies some of the issues around this particular topic. And if listeners are looking for more information or to do a bit of further reading, then we've got loads of articles on this topic of being a good Samaritan and some of the legal implications and also some advice around the code. So, Richard, do you have anything further to add? No, it's a topic that affects all nurses. So I'd love to hear from uh, colleagues out there what their experiences are. Um, I'm going to say good or bad. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but just your experiences generally. And they can uh, people can put comments on the web page and they can email as well, can't they, Flavia? Absolutely. They can email nspod at rcni.com. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd also love to get any feedback on the podcast as well. So you can rate or review us on Apple or Spotify podcasts. And we'd also love to have any general feedback. So do email or follow us on social media. And I should also add, you can catch up on the podcast series so far by going to rcni.com forward slash podcast. Thank you very much for listening.